and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor. Thank you for joining us today, this afternoon, on a pretty good day here in Sydney and a good day to be alive, Hunty. Yes, mate, good to be here. Uh, g'day listeners, thank you for having us He's uh, our techie and he who makes too much noise sometimes But we love <laughs> him anyway um, We're starting our program today without a video countdown timer Oh, well that's, <laughs> now, uh, for our, that's a bit precious For our <laughs> listeners, so they know, Hunty's driving This would be what, the fourth week now, third or fourth week? Brand new yeah, software new software, new toys, it's all good Yes, in here, and I've got to gently remind him sometimes And I'm enjoying that because it's usually him reminding us so what what we have here is i have a big screen in front of me and it gives us how much time we have in each segment i think but, hang on hang on wait but, let me let me quickly just show our list list as well our listeners who are viewing on facebook so they can see what your big screen looks like it looks like but the thing that. but there the, it is but we're not on facebook a whole lot this is radio led mr hunt true 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 <laughs> the thing is though for it to work Andrew has to push the button. The start button. And if we don't push the start button, what happens? We end up all out of jilter with our yeah, we cannot, timing. Yeah, we cannot get out of timing. That would be a disaster. Yeah, hey, what sort of program we got today, mate? We have a great program. We've jammed it full today of really cool segments. I know you will be blessed. So you're not going to tell us what any of those segments okay, are? Okay, well, we're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about the demons that can attack you and how you can, how you can get... A victory over temptation. We've got an interview with one of our favourites, Harold Harker. Talking about a guy in the Protestant Reformation who was as big as Martin Luther, and yet almost nobody's ever heard of this guy. Then we've got, uh, what about Ask the Aussie Pastor? Can you give that a shout-out now, Hunty? And Great perhaps idea. get some Because que- yeah, I know I, we had a look at the beginning of this. There are questions. There are, there's room for some questions still, isn't there? You had a few come in uh, in the last week. So let's have a look. If you would like to text us your question, you can do so on 0488-880-851 or you can email them to us and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Yeah, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, we would. I think we've got four or five questions already in, but we'd love to get some more. Always more questions. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, should we, you know how I like to fly off the cuff? Sure. Should we do a prize for the best question today? We actually said we would do a prize last week. That's what I thought. No, did we say we'd do it last week or did we say last week we'd do it today? Yeah, Whatever. Good question. Who cares? All right. <laughs> Send in your questions. Well, what are we going to give them for a prize? Why don't we? We love giving Bibles out, Hunty. Yeah, we sure do. We will give you a Bible in what a soft cover, leather bound. Uh, well, leather bound or imitation leather. Sure, imitation. Because yep. we can't always get leather anymore. That's right. We will give you a Bible of your choice, and when I say of your choice, um, whatever version, Newing, yeah, whatever version, New Living, New King James, NIV, whatever version you like. Yep. To the question that Hunty. Ooh. Today, am I going to get to choose? You are nice. He who chooses whatever the best question is. How's that sound, mate? Sounds good. Sounds yeah. Good. So, so if you have a question, 
Get it into us, yep. and if we judge it the best, actually, you're going to end up with a beautiful Bible yep. of version your choice. Yep. And these are we give on this program. We give out really decent prizes, yep. good, quality, good quality, good yeah. quality. They yep. come straight out of Hunty's wage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we just dock him and we send them to you. That's it. Only joking. <laughs> um, this day in history, uh, Tell us about it. 1776, France and Spain decided to supply weapons to the American. American rebels. Do you know what that's about? Uh, no. The American War of Independence against Britain. And France and Spain, who were not happy with the British, decided to supply weapons to the American army. And that really was as significant as us supplying weapons to Ukraine today. Okay. The Americans probably could not have won that war. The War of Independence that made the United States of America a nation and a great nation could not have won that war without the Spanish and the French supplying weapons to them. 1829, after anchoring nearby Captain Charles Fremantle. Hmm. That sounds familiar, aren't Uh Fremantle, yeah. Hmm. I guess that's um, Western Australia. Yep. After anchoring nearby Captain Charles Fremantle of HMS Challenger, declares the Swan River a colony of Australia. <laughs> so all you Western Australians, we thank the good Lord that in 1829 he claimed that for this country. Otherwise, you might be another country. And I know oh. there's a few West Australians might like that, but not us over here. We love having the West That's on it. board. 1863, Stonewall Jackson, great Confederate general in the Civil War in the United States of America, died at 39, 1863, shot by his own forces, they reckon, and he died eight days later of pneumonia. They reckon that if Stonewall Jackson had survived, the Confederacy, the southern states, the slave states, possibly could have won the Civil War. He wow. was that brilliant as a general. By the way, you, I know you're not into history like me, Hunty, but have you ever heard of this guy, Stonewall Jackson? Yeah, I've heard of him, but yeah. I, I have no idea. Uh, he, he's pretty famous. Uh, what about this one? This is right down your alley. I'll put this one in for you. Thank you. Hannibal Goodwin. Patents. Well, the word Hannibal doesn't sound very interesting. Celluloid photographic film. Oh, wow. I'm going to ask you, what is awesome. celluloid photographic film? I guess that would be the silver nitrate-backed film that we used to shoot movies on. Ah, okay. 1918, General Motors buys Chevrolet. What a great day that was because the Chev engine, I'm no Holden man, I'm no GM man, but that Chev engine, especially the 350, is an absolute little beauty. Yep. Because that was developed well after 1918. So it's the 327. I'd take the 350 every day. Of course, bigger is better. Well, it's a little big small block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had one in a boat that we owned. Nice. It, it was actually the Victorian uh, naturally aspirated, which means what? Not fuel injected. Got a carburetor and not injected. Yeah. Um, Victorian champion. It was a fast boat, I tell you. It, we had another boat for 427 Pontiac, both GM engines. The 350 was faster than the 427, Hunty, believe it or not. That's interesting. 1956, the US Methodist Church hmm, disallows racial segregation. That never happened until 1956. Wow. And before we're too hard on the US Methodist Church, they're probably one of the first churches to do it. Um, in 1982, General Belgrano warship. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah, no. I like to ask you these questions. No. Because I know that you are pretty much how the average Australian actually, thinks. Actually, let me rewind. Um, about 10 years ago, I was in another country and I went to a church that still had segregation. Well, let's not follow that one too no, far. No, no. We don't want to even hear about that. That's terrible. Terrible. Um, the General Belgrano is a warship, an Argentinian warship, was sunk by the British submarine Conqueror, killing more than 350 men in the Falklands War. 
Wow. A great tragedy, actually, that day when that submarine sank that warship. And in 2000, President Clinton releases, what did he do in 2000, which is a big deal again? This is in your area. Is it? GPS from the U.S. military only to what the year? whole world. What year? year 2000. On this day. No, it's way before then. On this day, May 1, let's, let's do it. No, we can't bet. We can't. Well, we can. No, it's friendly. a Christian radio station. We, we can have a friendly, um, a friendly battle. Okay. Mm. I'm I'm saying well I I looked this up on online today. So. Oh, I had I had a GPS uh, and, in the nineties. So and it was on. Well, that must be because you were secret. No, military. you were secret military of the US. I'm going to get that in just a moment after this, well, and we're going to well, get an abject apology. We're going to throw it back at Hunty, <laughs> and we we'll see how he's going to go. There were some birthdays. Um, the Red Baron. Yeah, know about the Red Baron. Yeah, who's, famous who's, World War Two fighter pilot. World War Two, eh? Oh, World War One. <laughs> <laughs> Manfred von Richthofen, he shot down. Do you know how many planes he shot down? This is amazing. Yep. Eighty airmen, Allied airmen, were shot down. Now there was a song that came out in the sixties that said he was shot down by another Allied plane, a pilot nicknamed Snoopy. Mm-hmm. Not true. Uh-huh. It's actually shot down by Gunner W.J. Snowy. With a name like that, where do you reckon he's from? <laughs> He'd have to be an Aussie, wouldn't he? Yep. He was a Lewis machine gunner with the 53rd Battery, 14th Artillery Brigade, Royal Australian Artillery, and he likely killed Baron Richthofen on this day in 1918, May 2. Hmm. Uh, and it's Baron Richthofen's birthday. He was born in 1892, so if he was alive today, he'd be, who knows? 150. 121. 150. <laughs> I thought your mathematics was better than mine. 1969, Brian Lara turned 54. Uh, he's a great West Indian batsman. He was fantastic to watch play. 1972, uh, when I say in 1969, Brian Lara was born. He didn't turn 54 on that day. He was born. 1972, Dwayne Johnson was born. And nine, you know who he is, great Hollywood Dwayne, Yeah, Dwayne actor. The Rock. Yep. yep. 1975, David Beckham. Uh, yes, I think he just, yeah, he just turned... He turned uh, 50-something today. 50, I reckon. He was a fabulous British soccer player. And then Defs, Leonardo da Vinci died on May 2, 1519. He was 67. Yep. J. Edgar Hoover, he was the guy who launched the FBI in the US. He died in uh, 1972, and he was 77. Osama bin Laden was killed by the Americans on this day. He He was was. 54. Hunty's looking up his um, computer, read the GPS. I I, I just thought that Beckham was 48 today, because I didn't know how old he is. I want you to look up GPS, and then I want you to announce your result after the the song. I can tell you now you've lost. And in 2021, (laughs) we're going to make him look it up, listeners, Bobby Unza. Who was a great um, racing car? Not not so much NASCAR, more the other one. Indy, Indy, okay. Indy car driver. He died. He, he's one of the few unsers who made it to old life. He died when he was eighty-seven. I actually know um, Bobby Unser's nephew. Who's that? Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Yep. Unser. He's an Unser from the great racing family in the United States of America. He was actually a church member in the first church I pastored in on the Gold Coast Youth Pastor. Great guy. I've been trying to get him on because his Jerry's testimony about how he chose Christ rather than go to racing is a great one. We're glad you're here. Mm. Thank you for joining us. And Hunty, my old mate, yep. would you like to open with a prayer? I sure will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come humbly before you. This afternoon, looking for your blessings, but mostly, Lord, we want you to bless our listeners, Lord. 
please wrap your loving arms around them, be close, be special, be near, so they can feel your presence. I also pray for my mate Lloyd as he opens the Bible, and I pray, Lord, that this in this radio program this afternoon, everything we do will be to your honour and glory. In your precious name, Jesus, I ask. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This song, He Has, He Has, He Has, is from the Lindsays. This is a group I started to listen to uh, not so long ago. Again, another group coming out of the United States of America. It's a brother and I think two sisters. This is a beautiful song about how Jesus always has got his in his hands. Follow him, got him in your heart, you're always going to be okay. He Has, the Lindsays.
Hunty and I are having great difficulties today here in the set. That's only because you're, over, a, you're a technological over Luddite. GPS. Because Hunty says he had it before 2000, well, he, which he may have. Do you he, remember when Fua, your brother-in-law, or whatever his name is, and I, and we went around Australia on, on jet skis in 2000? Yeah. Yeah, we had, we had GPS. Here it says, in them. May 2000, at the direction of President Bill Clinton, the US government discontinued... This is GPS.gov, by the way, the official site. In May 2000, at the direction of President... I'm laughing because we're having an argument. Oh, yeah. Like on radio. radio. I love it. <laughs> <On radio. laughs> Why not? In May 2000, the direction of President Bill Clinton, the US government discontinued its use of selective availability in order to make GPS more responsive to civil and commercial users worldwide. So, somehow, and I'd like to dig into this a little deeper, only this is a religious program, we've got to shift, uh, shift on to more important things, but somewhere, somehow, Andrew Hunt had access to GPS before 2000. I'm going to really blow you out of the water here, so for those of you watching on... Um on YouTube, I have to get you away have from the YouTube because it's Radio Hunty. I've got to keep reminding you, it's <laughs> Radio Man. <laughs> well, I've just put up a picture of the GPS I had in 1994, and I still own to this day. Yeah, we're going to have to track down how Hunty <laughs> got these things. I've got to tell you, listeners, it's not the first time I've, I've discovered Hunty owning things that no one else has. No, you could, or, anyone could buy them. Or access to, so we're going to have to look at that. But I have got... The official GPS.com. Hey, let's move on and we're going to get trouble. We are. We this, are will be the, in trouble. this will be the last radio show. Faith FM will take us off air. <laughs> <laughs> will. This is, we have a lot of fun though, don't we, Andrew? Yeah, huh? we do. <laughs> um, news. It's come time for news. What do you think about this? The second largest bank failure in history and it's hardly made the news. JP Morgan buys US First Republic Bank after, after regulators in America seize control in a 20 billion last minute deal. Mm. If they had not grabbed it, mm. it would have been the second largest bank failure in history. Mm. Mm. You know what scares me a bit about that? What's that? It seems to be happening more and more and more. Well, these banks are either rolling over or I think there were three banks in the last month that the US has stepped in, the US government has stepped in and saved. Well, isn't that because they have similar regulations to us that protect deposits? I don't know exactly. I think it, it, it could be that. I think it's also the US government realises how catastrophic it would be financially mm. if some of these... Um, banks were to roll over. Well, that big bank that went down yesterday or today, it had, I think, $222 billion in assets. So it was by far insolvent. Not insolvent, that is. Apparently, this bank, which is in America, was insolvent. Yes. That's why, that's, that's why JP Morgan that's bought based it. On, that's based on the laws that predicate what percentage of assets to loans ratios. Don't know, mate. Out of that, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm you, not, you I, fall foul of the law. I want to argue on that, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know enough about it. But what, what I was interested to see is that JP Morgan, which is a big bank, I mean, imagine if that went over. Yeah. Um, the they, the world. They've come in and bought it. So if they've come in and bought it, even if it was a $20 billion buy, that bank, even though it was insolvent, must be have business that's worth having. For sure. But I think it is kind of a, another shot across our bowels. 
Have you noticed how some of the banks here in Australia now aren't given cash? Did you know that there's going to be some cashless banks soon in Australia? Yeah, ANZ I read branches. That. Some branches won't give cash. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big cash user. I don't think you are. Oh well, actually, you do always have cash. I have uh, cash because I don't. I don't trust that one day my card will work. So I have. I have a lot of cash on me just in case my card stops working. We don't ask how much. Oh, we don't, we at, don't least fi- at least 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have enough cash on me. I never do, but I'd like to have enough cash on me to pay for my fuel in case I go and the card well, jams up. Well, that would be a couple of hundred now, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, well, I only have a little, what is it, 2006 Toyota Corolla, so it's filling up 45 litres, so whatever. It's not a lot. It well, is my, a lot. My tank is a lot. litres. Ninety, yeah. Well, you're twice uh, at two dollars twenty. That can go awful. Yeah, and this Toyota little Toyota Corolla. I haven't had it that long. It's got a big ding in the front, but it's an absolute ripper of a car. It, it the fuel economy in it is unbelievable. Mm. Not sure how we went from the banks to that. True. Um, I was going to say before we move on from this story, there are little canaries in the mind all the, all the time now that tell us that the economy in the at least the West is not exactly as it should be. Mm. I don't know whether you've noticed all these building companies rolling over, Hunty. Yeah, they sign contracts, and inflation in the building industry, and and the cost of timber, the cost of nails, the cost of the sort of stuff you build houses out of is going so quick. You and me were looking at caravans. We uh, we Hunty was up early today working. What time do you start? Six o'clock or something? I started editing this morning in the car. Would you believe? Yeah, about quarter past six. Waiting for me to turn up to the pool and do some. I was only an hour. What an hour and a half after you started. Yeah, but the good news is I finished the ad this morning. Yeah, yeah, you did. So you're able to do some stuff, but. have you noticed um, – now, where was I, Hunty? Uh, we're talking about um, building companies going oh, down. Oh, we, yeah, and we, and went, and we went to look at some caravans. They're not exactly building companies. But do you remember we are talking to the guy and he said that prices are going up so fast yeah. at the moment yep. with the yep. sort of things you're building. What do you call that? Um, yep, yep. You know, um, uh, materials. Yep. That he wasn't prepared to give me the cost of the options on a certain caravan. They, they don't even print the price of the options now because the prices are going up faster than they can print their brochures. Yeah, yeah. He told me that he was selling one series of motorhomes there and it's just had an, I don't know how much the motorhome is, but an $18,000 price rise. And he had 173 on back order and I think they're over 150 grand. So there are some people in our economy with money, but you know what I'm finding as a pastor? More and more people out there are really struggling, um, and you might be one of them. It, it's not easy time for a lot of ordinary people, Hunty. Mm, true. Uh, a lot of people aren't making the huge money that these people walk in and buy $180,000. I mean, and you and I can't imagine walking in and buying a $180,000 motorhome. He said something that I thought was uh, very interesting. He said, the gap, the gap's gotten bigger. The rich, yes, gains more money, and the poor can't even pay their mortgage. Yeah, he did say that. Quite, a, quite amazing, really. Uh, even troubles there, buddy. Have your, your um, headphone plug fall out? That, head, out. that, that <laughs> headphone plug. I'm going to have to find another way to do that. It falls out at least three to four times every program. Yeah, may have to go to I've, the poverty pack headphones. I've, I've learnt. <laughs> well, they're pretty old now. I think. I don't think I've ever had any. <laughs> Not there. Where, where's the poverty pack ones? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had any equipment that's lasted as long as these, mate. These these Bose heads, headphones. Well, considering you sleep in them every night, I do. I actually well. sleep in them because I like to go to sleep with rain on the roof. Mm. Or snow or in a mm-hmm. snowstorm or something. Kind of weird, but anyway. Second story today. Um, I thought you'd be interested in this one. AI to take 14 million jobs worldwide. We talk about AI a bit. Is it really a threat to jobs, Hunty? Yeah, totally. It's a threat to jobs for the following reasons. Um, a lot of data entry is someone fills out a form and 
and then you give it normally to a clerk who looks at it and types it into a computer and computerises the data. There's no reason why AI, AI can't do that now. Well, I was I was mucking around the other day because I got a couple of AIs. I don't want to mention this, but you know GTP Chat. Yep. Uh, and I've got another two or three AI free AI yep. sites I'm on, and I asked it some pretty hard questions. One of them was, um, "Who are Seventh Day Adventists?" Mm, I saw that. It gave an excellent answer. So then I thought, mm. well, I'll get a bit harder. And I, I thought one of the more difficult. Doctrines we have, when I say difficult, it's great doctrines, great truth in the Bible, is what we call the investigative judgment or the sanctuary message. And I actually asked it to um, get a sermon ready on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it did it, mate. And it was pretty good. Well, there we go. We can sack your pastoral assistant now. Well, that, well not the assistant. <laughs> How about me? No, the assistant's good value. I don't want to sack him. I think it might be me that's getting sacked. Um, Could I be the assistant? <laughs> <laughs> because the pre- the preaching, you can get a sermon. And it was a very, very good Christ-centered sermon. I did print it up on Facebook and someone called it you, the mark of the beast or something. You know, there, like are, there are students who are using these AIs to do their assignments. And they're not always correct. Sometimes these AIs can get led astray. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's probably foolishness because I've always thought cheating's never a great idea. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're doing a degree and you're cheating your way through the degree, then you're going to use that degree to go and get a job and you can't do the job because you never did the degree properly. Yep. What's yep. the point? Yep. I mean, there's a, there's a level of honesty that's, that's necessary there. But I, I wonder... What future the world has with AI? I wonder what. I, I know that Elon Musk is really, really afraid. I was listening to him talk to one of the Hawk talk show hosts the other day. I, I try to listen and read and watch extensively what's going on in the world, what some of the great world leaders are saying. Elon Musk is saying he's really afraid of AI. Well, I've, I've got a story. Um, a guy who's big on AI, who was developing it, decided to assign his AI computer some tasks while he went to work, and he said, your computer has no chance of getting these tasks done. I'm going to assign them to him anyway. And so the computer got the first few tasks done. It got to the third task, and the computer said, verify you're not a robot. And it sent him a picture, well, sent the computer a picture, for which the AI robot couldn't figure out. So the AI robot hired a task rabbit, which is the American term. What do we call them now? Those hired a person to do a job. Hmm. So the computer hired a person to do the job, emailed them the pictures and said, I'm, I'm sight impaired, can you please tell me what these pictures are? Paid the, paid the money for the task rabbit, got the answer to the pictures, got the, through the MIO robot and got the task done by lying. So we've now got computers that are prepared to lie to achieve a goal. Well, they have no soul or conscience. I don't think lying would bother them. No. Um, is it true that they can superimpose my head onto another body and, it seems, and get my voice and it's... Nope. Recently, there was a lady who had a, a horribly frightening call from her daughter who was being abducted. She said, Mum, they're abducting me. Mm. Now, this mother could not tell it was not her daughter being abducted. Please, send $10,000 or they're going to kill me today. The mother was completely fooled S- by this some, AI voice replication and picture replication. Somehow she did get onto that, though, and never sent the money. That's right. I'm not sure what happened That's right. there. But, mm. um, this last news article, Swimming Banned in Numea, how upsetting would that be? Terrible. Do you know why? Crystal clear, crystal clear waters, beautiful white sandy beaches. What do you reckon? Because I sent uh, this, I sent this news article. I sent this news article late to Hunt, and he never got it. So, <laughs> um, of all the things that would keep you out of the water, what would scare you the most? 
I guess sharks. That's it. Yeah, wow. They've had eight or nine shark attacks over the last three years, and they've banned people from getting in the water, and they're taking out the tiger sharks and the bull sharks. A lot of people would say that's sad. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I don't know, mate. Tiger sharks bother me a bit. I used to surf. You know, you know how you can tell the tiger shark in the surf. I don't. This apparently they'll poke their head out of the water and look at you. Oh wow, wow! But a tiger shark has stripes around its gills that look like a tiger. So that's how you you know it's a, a tiger shark. And then you've got the bull shark, which is probably the I think most vicious animal on the planet. I think it's got more testosterone per square centimeter than any other p- animal on the planet. Wow. They are a vicious, aggressive shark, and the shark attacks have become so brutal and frequent in Numea that they've had to ban people swimming mm. for at least 12 months, which I think is pretty scary, yeah, although I'd still want to go in the water if I was in Numea. Same. Kind of how I am. Sure. I, I'd go in to my waist. How's that sound? But, you know, good diving and that, you want to, you want to keep going. Mm. But anyway, uh, I think when you see these bank failures, when you look at what's happening with AI and the development of technology, which is just explosive, See the animal kingdom going a bit airy. You can say to yourself, "Is that a word?" Let's say haywire hunting. Yep, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look up. These are all signs that tell us Jesus is coming so very, very soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This song's put in for you, Hunty. CC oh. Williams. Cool. You like her, eh? I love Baby and CC. Uh, can you say it again? I missed it. It's um, it's it's BB and CC, but this looks like it's just CC. Who's BB? Winans. There's two of them, male, a husband and a wife. Really? Yeah. That shows how much I don't know about music at times. <laughs> <laughs> nice song, this one, though, yep. The Goodness of God. How old would this song be, mate? I'll let you know after I've heard it. <laughs> oh, you don't know this song? I previewed it, but I don't remember what I heard. So. Ah, okay. old. Let's listen to it. It's talking about how wonderful God actually really is. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so Of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire And in darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God. Because all my life you have been faithful. 
God is good, aren't he? For sure. Yeah, he is a good, good God. And when you serve him, especially when you've been down the track many years like we have, you, you get to feel and sense and understand and experience, you know, year by year, literally day by day, he just gets better and better. And sometimes you'll have a, something happen between you and God and it'll just overwhelm you. And his goodness, and I know if you don't know God, you never experienced God really deep in your heart. This can be hard to understand, but sometimes with God and your relationship with God, it'll overwhelm you. And and I'm not a a crier; I'm not one for tears, but it'll be so powerful that you'll find tears coming to your eyes, mm-hmm. spilling out of your eyes, even though you don't want to, because it's such a beautiful thing to be loved by God. Yep. And that's why C.C. Williams is talking about in that song. Winans. How do you say it? Winans. What did I say? Williams. Winans, I think I said. Or I did I say Oh, Winans? I thought you said Williams. <laughs> Winans, Winans. So how do you say, say Winans? Winans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hunty seems to be the fount of all knowledge today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this is a series, Hunty, that we're doing. Yep. At the moment, it's called Breaking Chains. This is part two in the series. I want to, even though it's developed for video, it's developed for television, I want to share it with our listeners because it's so important. There, well, the, the message is absolutely transcends video. Sorry? The message transcends the video. The message is, is audio. We hope and pray so. Hunty, um, if you wanted to watch this series, if you haven't caught up with it, because it's, 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 we've, we've done two of four programs, where would you go? Uh, look, there's there's two great places to go. Um, you can go to YouTube, to the Aussie Pastor YouTube channel, or the Aussie Pastor Facebook channel if you want to watch these series. Highly recommend it. Our, and our webpage, just to confuse things, AussiePastor.com, were yep. you telling me in the last month or so it's had over a million hits? Uh, our Facebook page has had over a million hits oh, in the so last Oh, Facebook, month. Not, mm. not the mm. webpage. No, Facebook. I gave my yep. wife the wrong information last night. <laughs> over a million hits on Facebook. Actually, 999,000-something, almost a million. Okay. All right. So, look, I hope you enjoy this. It's not long. Well, this one is 18 minutes or something, isn't it, Hunty? It's jam-packed. It moves along. You have to pay attention. Yeah, but if you really want to see it at its best, go to our Aussie Pastor YouTube. Full HD Aussie Pastor YouTube. I seriously think YouTube's better than Facebook, and they'll throw me off for this, but that's my view. Well, it's full HD in both, so enjoy. I I just find YouTube more... um, User-friendly. Yeah, user-friendly, reliable, consistent. Yep. Yep. Anyway, have a look at it and, and let me know what you think. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. Welcome. Demons, you can defeat them. You know, demons do exist. People argue with me on that. I noticed when the advertising for this program went out that people were saying a couple of things to me. One, they were saying demons don't exist, or two, they were saying if they do exist, you shouldn't be talking about them. But I think I should be because they have an intimate, intricate part to play, a sinister part to play in every single one of our lives. My grandfather was a sawdust pastor. It means he used to go from town to town, set a tent up and run what we call an outreach program to bring people to Jesus. It was the day before TV. They would rush in to listen to him in the hundreds. He'd stay there for 12 months. He'd leave and there'd be a church set up in that town. Well, one day while he was still training and he's a young man, they were running an outreach program. This was really the beginning of his sawdust preaching career. It's really sawdust tent preaching career. And my, my grandfather was here in Blacktown learning under a very esteemed evangelist how to preach to Aussies, to secular Aussies. This is the best part of 80 years ago or more. 
and he's in Blacktown, and on this particular night, the evangelist who was preaching, remember my grandfather is just the young fella, he gets sick. And so he calls my grandfather and he says, hey, you're going to have to preach. So my grandfather gets up to preach on that particular day. He was preaching on the occult. Well, he gets home that night. He goes to bed. You wouldn't believe it. Kaboom in the middle of the night after being preaching on the occult, preaching on demons. He wakes up with hands around his neck, strangling him to death. He was being attacked by a demon. Found out later that this pastor who was his boss, who was teaching him to preach, had been in India. And while in India, he'd had some confrontations with the occult. He'd come off second best. He was scared. He'd stepped down from that sermon, from that preaching, and he'd given it to my grandfather. I was in Papua New Guinea a few years ago. Well, it was about a decade ago, to tell you the truth. And I was doing it. Now, this is a picture here of a outreach program in Papua New Guinea in a tent. Well, we had a tent too. We were using the tent during the day, but at night the tent wasn't big enough and thousands would turn up. And I remember one night I got up and I began to preach and I was talking to tribesmen who'd come out of the bush who were being attacked and harassed by demons and by witch doctors. And I got up and I said, Satan, I addressed him. Might have been a mistake. I said, Satan, you are a loser and you've got yours coming. Now, I still stand by those words. Well, that night I went home, woke up in the middle of the night, experienced exactly what my grandfather did. A demon with his hands around my throat, strangling me to death. In fact, that demon followed me back to Australia. Remember, I was up in Papua New Guinea and he harassed me for the next couple of years. That's another story. My brother... Young man, had left Jesus, wasn't walking with Jesus, wasn't really a Christian, moved in with a guy who was into the occult, was into this thing called seances. It's when they sit around a table and they ask, and this is just quickly, they ask demons for answers. Comes home one night, goes in his front door, his flatmate is in a seance. Now, my brother might not have been following Jesus, but he knows enough about how dangerous they were. He goes into his room and shuts the door. He wants nothing to do with it. Middle of the night, he's woken up. The window is slammed open. A mighty wind rushes into his room. His bedclothes are ripped off and thrown on the floor, and he's dumped on the floor. Man, he rang my father up at 2 in the morning, made him rush over to get him, and he moved out at 3 in the morning, never went back. Demons are real. And often when we think of demons, we think of the paranormal. But I want to tell you that that is not the greatest threat that demons present to us as Aussies. It's not. The paranormal is scary, but in 32 years of ministry, and I'm 59, I probably had less than half a dozen paranormal experiences with demons. And every time, Jesus has come out on top. That's another story. The biggest problem we have with demons is temptation. I put a donut there because I'm in the middle of a diet. <laughs> That's tempting. But it's a lot more serious than that. Let me tell you what I mean. The Bible. Now, I know this is not popular in 21st century Australia. I get it. I know it. I know. I know. But the Bible is what, if you're a Christian anyway, and I'm a Christian, and I'll present this to you tonight, the Bible is what defines what is right and what is wrong. Now, the demons... In our culture, in our society, where they're a little bit more sophisticated than up there in PNG where they turn up through the work of the witch doctor all the time in physical form and physical presence harassing the people. They don't do that much down here. They do it a little bit, but not a lot. Here, 
They tempt us. Now, remember, the Bible defines what is right and wrong. Watch this. The Bible says that adultery and fornication is wrong. And the demons come and tempt us with it. The Bible says stealing is wrong. And the demons come and tempt us with us. With, they, they come and tempt us with it. Look, we just had a massive flood. I call it Noah's Flood here in Sydney. My studio, this is a brand new studio because my studio was totally, completely wiped out. I call it Noah's Flood. All my tools, I used to be a builder, went under. This is a flood. There's great empathy and sympathy from the people of Sydney and of the world as they look at us going through this massive flood. 1.6 metres through my house. So after the flood goes, I go and take my tools out. One night only, one night overnight, I leave them out. They were stolen. It was demons inside of men or women, I don't know, who were encouraging them, pushing to steal. Now, I know this one's not popular at all, but the Bible, this is not me, this is not me. This is not me. It's what the Bible says. It says that LGBTIQ is wrong. It's the demons that tempt us into those lifestyles. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says anger is wrong. The demons tempt us into anger. Domestic violence, abuse of children, sexual assault, all these things are wrong according to the definitions of wrong and right in the Bible. And it's, I know it because the Bible tells us it's the demons that come and tempt us with these sins and they're causing havoc and they're causing damage in our personal lives and in our culture in our country in our nation and in this world i mean war war is a invention war is we are driven into it by demons i mean i can go on bible and demons alcohol addiction that is demonic Drug addiction. It's demonic. You have all these sins that the Bible defines. It's the demons that are driving us to it. Now, I'm here tonight to tell you something. And I want you to hear me, and I want, to, I want you to hear me well and true. You can defeat the demons. You don't have to roll over to these temptations. You don't have to be defeated. Let me tell you quickly a story that happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus, because I want to tell you right from the start here, if you want to defeat demons, you need Jesus. There is no other way. Jesus is the only way you will ever, you will ever defeat demons and addictions and temptations and sins in your life, especially the ones you life. Some of them, they grab you, they chain you so tightly, they put you into a dungeon so deep. Try as you might. I know this from my own experience. You just can't escape. Now to the story. 2,000 years ago, Jesus says to his disciples, they're his followers if you don't know what disciples are. Let's get into a boat. They're up at the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, beautiful place. Let's get in a boat and go to the other side and they get caught in a storm. So Jesus was going to the other side to save a man from demons. And Satan does his best to stop Jesus and you getting together. And he's trying to stop Jesus getting to this man. Jesus will not be stopped. Right from the beginning, hear this. Again, hear me really clear. If you're going to defeat the demons in your life, you need Jesus. So Jesus calms the storm because he's going to go to that man no matter what. And if you call on Jesus tonight, he will come to you. That is a guarantee. Now we pick up the story in Luke chapter 8. And this is in a couple of other uh, Bible books in the, in the Bible as well. But we're looking at the, one in, we're looking at the story in Luke chapter 8. So they arrive. Jesus and the disciples have gone through a storm. They arrive. 
They arrive in the region of the Gasserines across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside of the town. By the way, this is one of the few stories where Jesus is dealing with Gentiles. You don't know what a Gentile is. A Gentile is you and me, someone who's not a Jew. Most of Jesus' ministry was to Jews. This time he's talking to Gentiles. Watch this. As soon as the man saw Jesus, he's got a demon inside of him. When we fall to temptation, when we're seduced by wickedness, when we get sucked in and pulled into addictions that we cannot defeat, it's because, as ugly as this might sound, we're allowing demons inside of us. This is a really serious subject. We have a whole culture, we have a whole nation that's struggling with what I'm talking about tonight. Is sin demon possession? Sin addictions? It's certainly allowing the demons into our hearts and into our minds to be the major influence. It's pretty serious stuff. As soon as this man saw Jesus, verse 28, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. The moment Jesus turns up on the scene, this demon starts to struggle as he possesses this man. I mean, right from the beginning, Jesus turns up on the, on the seashore. This, this demon is in trouble and he knows that Jesus is here. And I want to tell you right from the start again, you cannot, you cannot, no matter what, you cannot have a demon inside you and be around Jesus. It's not possible. And so right now, I'm telling you, if you want freedom from the demons in your life, what you need to do is you need to get into the atmosphere. You need to get under the influence. You need to get into the company of Jesus. Well, how do you do that? Well, open your Bible and read it. You may have never read, read the Bible before. That's fine. Read your Bible. You say, where do I go? Well, go, if you want to know the story of Jesus in the Bible, go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. If you want to know the story of the early Christian church, church I belong to, Go and read the story of Acts. It's a story full of action and excitement and adventure. If you're discouraged and you're struggling with life, go into the book of Psalms. If you need wisdom, go to the book of Proverbs. If you want to go back to the beginnings, where do you come from? Why are we here? Go to the book of Genesis. If you want to know how you're saved by Jesus, read the book of Romans. If you want to know what's going to happen in the end, read the book of Romans. But go to the Bible because when you're in the Bible... You're in the company of Jesus. When you're in the company of Jesus, the demons cannot hang around. Get on your knees and pray. If you can't get on your knees, just pray. Just talk to Jesus. In your words, in your language, you're in his company. You're under his influence. You're in the atmosphere of Jesus and the demons can't hang around. You will never be tempted by a demon when you're in prayer. I mean, go to church. I mean, here in Australia, that's a picture of my church, by the way. Here in Australia... We're kind of given all these negative connotations of church. Church is fabulous. It's fantastic. You're around other believers like you who are struggling with the demons that are attacking them and you're in worship to God. Man, go to church and you will be in the company of Jesus. Demons struggle to be in the company of Jesus. And here's the proof. Luke chapter 8 verse 29. For Jesus had already... So Jesus lands on the shore... And then the Bible says, for Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of you. First thing Jesus says to the evil spirit is, you've got to get out. This spirit had often taken control of the man. And that's what happens to us. The spirit takes control of us. We can't resist the temptations. We can't resist the sin. We love it. We're looking for salvation. 
The spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. And some of you tonight, and I've been there, are under the demon's power. If you're an addiction, if you're addicted to something, alcohol, drugs, pornography, sex, whatever, if you're addicted to something and you can't get out of it, try as you might, you're under the demon's power. And you know what our world tells us? It says when you get under the demon's power, you're born that way. You can't beat it. You can't defeat it. Just give up and do the sin. And that's why we're celebrating sins that the Bible very clearly defines as wrong. We're under the demon's power, and secular Aussies think there's no escape, and I'm here to tell you tonight there is. Spend time with Jesus. Get into Jesus' company. If you hang around Jesus, he will set about breaking the chains of your sin, of your addiction, and your temptation. I cannot stress that enough. If you want to escape, hang with Jesus. If you're struggling, hang with Jesus. If you're in a sin, you cannot escape. If you're in an addiction that's got a hold of you, if you're in a dungeon and your chain's so tight you cannot see freedom, hang with Jesus. What do you do? Ask him. Spend time in the Bible. Spend time in prayer. Go to church. Hang with Jesus. Watch what happens. There happened to be a large herd of pigs. So what happens is Jesus casts a demon out of this dude. That demon's gone. He's no longer in the guy. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hills nearby. And the demons begged him to be let to enter into the pigs. Poor old pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Remember, these are Gentiles. In Jewish culture, you can't have pigs. But these are Gentiles. They're non-Jews. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. Spectacular, sad, if you're an animal lover like me, terribly tragic. A lot of people ask, what's Jesus doing letting the demons go into the pigs? Well, I'll tell, tell you, there's a couple of things happening here. Firstly, Jesus is showing the result of leave, leaving the demons unchallenged in our lives. It's death. The demons went into the pigs. Pigs had no way of evicting them. They all died. Those pigs would rather run down the mountain and into the sea and drown than hang with those demons. I think the second thing, and it kind of gives you a, a sense of how evil these demons are. They, when they have got no one to tempt and no one human that they can possess and lead into addictions and sin, they would even harass innocent animals and lead them to their deaths rather than just do nothing. I mean... We're up against evil entities in these demons, and you need to know that. Now, as I bring this story to a close, this is important. Verse 35. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. This is what's going to happen to you. Fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. I mean, this almost doesn't make sense. It beggars belief. This man who was naked in chains was a real pest was a fearful thing in this society he gets healed by jesus they all come out and see this man sane sitting in clothes at the feet of jesus you think they'd be rejoicing but they're afraid and even more than this watch, watch this verse 37 and all the people in that region of the garrisons begged jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them and i want you to get this because if you start hanging around Jesus, if you ask him into your life in a prayer, I mean, he's going to come. 
I mean, when those demons turn up, they're going to knock on the door of your heart and Jesus is going to be there. are not going to be able to get in. You'll still be tempted. You're going to be tempted from without, not from within. And I'd rather be tempted from without than within. I mean, if the demon's inside of you, it's pretty hard to control the sin and the addiction. But if he's outside and you've got Jesus in your heart, how does that happen? Again, you just ask him. I mean, spend time in prayer. Jesus comes into your heart. I'm going to go over it again and again. Into the Bible, Jesus comes into your heart. Your church worshipping, Jesus comes into your heart. But when he comes into your heart and change is affected in your life, the society and the culture we're in is hostile to it. They are hostile to it. Culture and society will not necessarily like the challenges, the changes, sorry, that come to your life when Jesus chases the demons away and you are free. I'm going to read that again. Culture and society will not necessarily like the changes that come to your life when Jesus chases the demons away and you are free. Amazing, isn't it? This, end, this story ends. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. They didn't want him and he left. Jesus never stays where he's not wanted. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for me. I mean, you want a testimony. I tell you today, you want a testimony you let Jesus free you from the demons that have got you addicted, that have got you in chains and have got you in a dungeon. And how does that happen? One more time. If you hang with Jesus, he will set you free from every sin, every addiction, and every demon that has ever come to humans since the beginning of time. And I love that about Jesus. That is the power of Jesus. Hang with Jesus he will set you free. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This next song from Zach Williams, and would you believe it, Hunty Dolly Parton. Oh, wow. She's actually a very spiritual girl, has been all her life. It's called There Was Jesus, and it's about what I just spoke about in that little Bible study. Every time I try to make it on mine Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I've traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now Well, there was Jesus In the way, in the searching, in the healing, the hurting Like a blessing buried in broken pieces
Jesus, you've got everything. Mm. It's a beautiful thing yep. to walk with Jesus. Um, I want to just for a moment continue on this. In fact, the theme of today's radio show is temptation and how to deal with temptation. Pastor Daniel has a very big online video audio ministry. And I like to listen to him because at times he puts together these tiny little just uh, not long talks about different subjects and here he's talking about temptation it's such wise counsel that this friday night i'm going to take up this uh i'm going to take up his ideas and i'm I'm not beyond copying a bit not not (laughs) copying but using his theme love it yeah it's really important it's on temptation i think if you want to get away from temptation the advice he gets in no matter what the temptation is no matter how powerful it is the advice is worth listening to roll it hunty sure Flee. Now, even if you know the Bible, the sword of truth, and even if you trust God, you will need to learn how to flee. What do I mean here? Well, the moment you find yourself in a situation of temptation, you need to get yourself out of that situation ASAP. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says, Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The Bible doesn't say, look at it, walk a little bit closer, or stand there and just think a little bit about it, or it doesn't even say, walk away from it. It says, flee, meaning run away from it as soon as possible. If you struggle with alcohol, don't go to friends who you know will drink when you are there. If that happens to you, maybe it's time to get better friends in the first place. If you struggle with lust, don't watch inappropriate things on TV or on your phone. Get porn blockers. Do something about it. Flee from it. I'll add a link for you in the video description down below where you can get a porn blocker. If you struggle with something like gluttony, don't go to the grocery store alone or on an empty stomach. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, And give no opportunity to the devil. Don't play with temptation. Get away from it the moment it surfaces. I get what he's saying there. Mm, and, it, and it's very powerful. 
He's saying if you're struggling with a temptation, if you've got something you're weak to, don't hang around, don't think about it, don't be in its presence, whatever that temptation is. And the human race is racked by all sorts of different temptations. He's just saying get out of it, flee, flee, flee. It's probably not a popular thing to say um, in this world. But I like it. Yeah, I do too. Mm. I, I, I think it's really powerful. Um, this next stop, song, <laughs> stop, song, every step I take. Funny how your mind works, isn't it? Yes. From a guy who's an Indonesian, actually, Peter Lazaro. I think I've said that right. This is a song we're going to introduce to our church to sing as a congregation real soon. Um, beautiful song. Hope you enjoy it. My Savior goes before me And with His loving hand He leads the way And with its breath I whisper, I adore Thee Oh, what joy To walk with Him each day each step I take, I know that He will guide me to higher ground. He ever leads me on until someday the last step will be taken. Each step I take. Just leads me closer home At times I feel My faith begin to waver When I'm ahead I see a chance of white It's then I turn And look up to my Saviour I am strong when He is by my side. Each step I take, I know that He will guide me to higher ground. He ever leads me on until someday the last step will be. Just leads me closer home. Each step I take just leads me closer home. I want to welcome Harold Harker to the program again, coming to us from the sunny north, Cairns, I think it is. Welcome. Welcome, Lloyd. It's great to be with you. It is great up here, but it's great to talk to you again, too. So the temperature's pretty good? Yes, it's cooling a bit. It's not as hot as it was, so it's pleasant these days. Yeah, that's why all the grey nomads and the rest of them head up there for winter, because it's really good. The caravans are everywhere. We should go up there, hunty. Been a while since I've been to the, to the Barrier yes. Reef. Did you get to Lofty. the Barrier Reef while you are up there? 
No, we went up to Coranda and we've been up to Hartley's Crocodile uh, Adventures. That was interesting too. So you're not going out to the Barrier Reef? Oh, we might go and see Green Island, yes. Yeah, love it out there. Okay, we're looking at an interesting guy today. His name is Johannes Bugenhagen. I think I said it right. Is that is that how you'd say right. it? He's a great guy. In fact, he's often not known, but history would tell you that he did a great work. Johannes, we would call him John if it was in English, yeah. but a great guy. Actually, I think, having had a brief look at this man, that he is actually an equal of Martin Luther in importance to the Protestant Reformation. You're right, exactly. And yet we hardly ever hear from him. I'm going to share with you in this interview now, or Harold will, why he was an equal to Martin Luther. Number one, where was he born? Well, he was born in what was called Pomerania, and that was in the northeastern part of Germany, now a part of Poland as well. And that's where we get Pomeranian dogs from. Okay. So it was Germany, but in the northeast. I don't like those dogs much, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I'll get into trouble for that. Uh, just, they're, they're those tiny little pudged-up nose yuck, things. Yuck. Yeah. Um, what did his father do? His father, Gerhard, he was an alderman, so he was part of the governing area of that place. Okay. Was he well-educated? Yes. By 17, he was going to the university in Pomerania, and uh, he w- he went there and got a great education. Okay, so he graduated graduated from that university, what, at 19, and then goes and get a job, is that right? Yeah, he became what was the rector, so he was in charge of, like, a big school and caring for the religious part of the, of the curriculum. At 19 years of age? Well, yeah. He must have been bright. Um, now, he did not study theology. This guy's, a, for want of a better word, a... A modern day word, a school teacher, uh, perhaps a principal. He doesn't study theology, but what happened to him anyway, which we might find unusual. I don't know whether it was unusual back then, but what happened? Well, because he was caring for the religious education, they ordained him as a priest. And then he served as a vicar there. So he became a priest by default almost. <laughs> Sounds like me. I never studied theology and I'm a, pa- I'm a pastor, but that's another story. Um, in 1517, he gets another important job. Tell us about that. Well, an abbot of this abbey called him to serve as the biblical lecturer. So he's now imparting biblical information to monks and others at this stage. Okay, and the Duke of Pomerania, and this kind of gives you an idea of the importance that he's now starting to be viewed in, asks him or demands that he write something. Yeah, you, you go and write the story of this duchy, that's where the Duke was in charge, and write it in Latin. So that's his next task. So he's, in, he's writing history, really. That's right. How did he come across Luther's work? Now, he was born back in, what was it, 14... 85. 85. If I remember right, Luther was born, what, a couple of years before? 1483. So in some sense, they're contemporaries. Well, not some sense, they're complete contemporaries. They are, yes. He's living in Germany. Sooner or later, he's going to come across Luther's work. So he comes across Luther's work. What was his initial reaction when he read Luther? Well, he read a book that Luther had written, and, of course, books were being printed now. Printing press was round, and this book, Prelude on the Babylonian Captivity of the Church, he read that in 1520. And he, he said, I don't like what this is, but the more he read, 
he thought this has got some truth in it and he became a Protestant and a supporter of the Protestant Reformation then. So really read himself and studied himself into Protestantism, into Luther's movement. Yes, he did. And then he moved to Wittenberg where Luther was. I'm thinking that as he read that book, the book that he was reading wouldn't have been overly... um, complementary of Catholicism and it so certainly it probably <laughs> challenged him as a Catholic on the day yes okay so he, he gets one to Luther's cause to Protestantism uh, he moves you said he moved tell us about that well he moves to Wittenberg and when he's there a couple of years later he's asked to be the parish pastor of Wittenberg and Luther was one of the members there and so he becomes Luther's pastor and his confessor. Actually, arguably, and he's still a a young man, this would have been one of the most important pulpits in the world of this time because it's right central to the Protestant Reformation. As you said, it's where Martin Luther lives and he becomes Martin Luther's uh, pastor and friend. That's right. He would have been about 37 then. Yeah, okay. Um, So he becomes a follower of Luther. Um, He becomes a pastor to Luther. What important... Yeah, sorry. As well as that, Lloyd, he becomes part of Luther's team translating the Bible and Greek and Hebrew into German with him. He's quite educated, isn't he? He sure is. What theological debate did he get himself into at this time? Well, as people wrote, their thoughts were trend were that came to all universities and Zwingli, he had a few different thoughts, particularly on transubstantiation. And so he looks at the debate and sort of leads the debate on this thought in Wittenberg. Against or for Zwingli? I guess it would be against because Luther and Zwingli didn't agree on this. Would it be fair to say that biblically Zwingli was right? I would say so, yes. (laughs) So even the good guys sometimes, as they're coming to the truth, (laughs) didn't always get it right. What university was he called to? Well, he became a lecturer in the university that Luther had started in Wittenberg. He was a professor there. Was he an important lecturer? Oh, yes. He was one of the most important lecturers and the practical work of biblical interpretation. He was a real strong guy for the Protestant Reformation. So if I get this right, here you've got still a reasonably young man at Martin Luther's University training young men to be pastors. You start to get an idea of how important he was to the Protestant Reformation. Well, he would have been there for quite a number of years and he was ordaining a whole generation of young Lutheran pastors. His influence would have spread right across the northern part of Europe. Now, he gets an important promotion. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, while he's there, he's studying a bit more and he takes out the doctorate of theology. He was one of three, the top first three who became Protestant doctors of theology. So every every person who studied theology since and done a doctorate, he was one of the first three. That's right. Big deal. Let's go back to this question again. How significant do you reckon he was to the Protestant Reformation? I started by saying I think he's as important as Martin Luther. You think that's a fair statement? It is. In fact, having come from the northern part of Germany, he had travelled across to Hamburg in the west, and right across the north and the, of Germany, he was seen as the most 
uh, important figure of the Protestant Reformation in those areas, and even up into Scandinavia. Talking about Scandinavia, you crowned someone up there. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, Norway and Denmark, uh, they were Lutheran, and as the leading apostle for that area, he crowned Christian III of Denmark, Norway in 1537. Actually, I think those nations are still Lutheran. I think Lutheran pastors to this day are still crowning their kings and queens, which is quite amazing, really. Um, What did he produce? Well, he produced how the churches should operate, how schools should operate, all the rules and the regulations. He really set the stage for how the Protestant churches would go on. He was the second apostle of the North. He was one of the the most important influences for the Reformation. When you say second apostle of the North, I think the first apostle was Martin Luther. Is that right? Martin Luther, you're right. So so this guy, just so those are listening get what you're saying here, he sets up the way Protestant church works. Yep. How they, all their regulations, their rules, how they should work, and he did that um, all the time through that area. His, his, his training... Do you think it impacts the way Protestant churches, including our own church, the Adventist church, work today? Well, we all have to have rules and regulations. We just don't go on the of a whim. And he set the stage for how it should be a good Christian church. So, in some sense, all of us built on the foundations that he set on how yeah. church works. Yeah. Oh wow! What happened in fifteen thirty nine? Well, he became the. Uh, superintendent of the whole Lutheran church across Saxony, a big part of Germany. He was the one in charge of the church then. I think the point is this guy is a big time leader in the days of Lutheran. Is that right? Of Luther, yeah. Um, What important work did he he do when his friend Martin Luther died? Well, when Luther died, he took care of Luther's widow. That's Katharina von Bora, she was and his children, he sort of cared for, just like John cared for Jesus' mother, he cared for Luther's wife and kids. Yeah, good. you kind of get a sense of their deep friendship. How did, how did Johannes Bergenhagen die himself and when? Well, he died in 1558. He would have been 73. In those days, that's a pretty old guy. Yeah. And so he's buried then in the, the main church in Wittenberg. Do you think he's remembered much? I think Lutherans would remember him very much. Okay. He hasn't got lost in the annals of time and all, all, all the, the sunshine from Luther's life uh, put him in the dark? No, not at all. What can we learn from Johannes Bergenhagen today? Well, I think he was a love pastor. He was known for his love of music, and I believe he organised the church and he was known as someone that people could look up to and sense that this guy is being led by God. And, of course, the scripture, the Bible, was at the the basis of all he said. I think uh, many of us who are Protestants have much to thank these ancient fathers for, for their faithfulness and their loyalty to God and what they did for the church that we've built on top of the foundations that they and Jesus in place. Thank you, Harold, for another great story. You look after yourself up there in the sunny north, and if you go out to the Barrier Reef, stay stay safe. Don't let those sharks get you. Okay, thanks, Lloyd. See you. 
You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Last week, Auntie, yes, we had um, Danae, my youngest daughter, on. We did, and when she was a little girl, she had a favourite song. Ah. I said to her, "I'll play that favourite song for you this week." Nice. It's called "Jesus Take the Wheel" by Carrie Underwood. Do you do you know this song, Andrew? Yeah, love it. It's a story of a girl, a single mum, who's gone home. So, of course, it's an American story, and she's gone home and she has a, a car accident, and. It's how, reflecting back on it, Jesus protected her in one of the lower moments of her life. It seems like she's lost a partner, she's on her way home, she's got a child, just a baby, and she gets saved. And Danae, when she was a little girl, this is my youngest daughter, used to love this song. And she'd always, you know, when you get in the car, remember the days of the old CD players and that? Yep, yep, yep. She'd always make me play this song. And she loved it. And I hope you enjoy it, our listeners too, because this is a beautiful song. It's it's a, one of those testimony songs of the goodness of God who protects us sometimes at our lower moments. She was driving last Friday on her way to Cincinnati on a snow-white Christmas Eve. Going home to see her mama and her daddy with the baby in the back seat. Fifty miles to go and she was running low on faith and gasoline. It'd been a long, hard year. She had a lot on her mind and she didn't pay attention. She was going away too fast. And before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both her lives flash before her eyes She didn't even have time to cry She was so scared She threw her hands up in the
Okay, that's it. That's the song that uh, mm. Danae likes. Want to continue, Hunty, with the theme we've been doing this radio program today, and that's repentance. I want to look at a story in the Bible. So if you've got your Bible there, Hunty, I and do. I think you have, yep, yep, yep. open to Genesis chapter 39. This is an ancient story. Happened a little while after the flood. Just so our listeners have some context, because they might not know the story of Joseph. Joseph was a uh, son of... Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. So Joseph, um, it's a, it's a great story, really. It's an adventure story to make a good movie. Mm, Jason was so, Jason Joseph Joseph <laughs> Joseph was um, funny. As I get older, I do that sometimes. My mind just uses you know you've seen it all the time hunting yeah it happens to me <laughs> when we're, when we're recording stuff I'll say the wrong word all the time oh boy um, um, Joseph was sold by his brothers who were jealous of him into slavery, which was amazing. Mm. He lived over in Israel, which wasn't Israel back then, I guess. I I don't know what it was, but he lived there. He was taken all the way to Egypt. Now, we've been to Israel, Hunty. It's a fair fair trip to Egypt. That was a great time. By slave traders. He's taken by slave traders from Israel to Egypt, and there he's sold to a man who's called Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of the king's guard. He was the captain, um, the leader, the commander of that part of the army that was, um, their responsibility was to look after Pharaoh. So this is the king's guard. This is a a very special unit in the army. And so Potiphar is uh, a high-ranking general in Egypt, He's seen for what he is, one of the leaders of that nation. And so in some sense, Joseph scored a good job, and he did a good job. He was probably at the time, we don't know, but maybe 17, 18, 19, 20, no more than 20. So he's really uh, still a kid. And this is what Potiphar thought of Joseph. Um, He gets this Hebrew slave boy. He goes into the house He's obviously blessed by God, and this is what happens. Read verse 6, mate. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm in the NLT. Is that all right? Yeah, good, good. Okay. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. Just stop there for a second. That's a big deal, isn't it? Complete administrative responsibility. This kid goes into Mm. this very important man in Egypt's home. Probably outside of Pharaoh, this guy was as important as anyone in Egypt. Yep. And he goes into his home, and Pharaoh is so impressed with this young man. At a young age, tender age, he puts him in charge of everything in his household. Yep. I like this bit, though. Keep yep, going. Yep. Um, with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Potiphar's staying in charge of what he eats. I'd be doing the same thing. But, but you kind of get a sense of how how overwhelmingly in charge Joseph was of this house, Mm. and it would have been a luxurious home. This is one of the uh, most powerful homes, powerful families, powerful men in all of Egypt, and you've got this kid from way over the desert who's been brought as a slave now in charge of the whole home. Now, we'll look at this. Keep going. We're still in verse 6. Still in verse 6. Joseph was a very handsome and well and well built young man. Okay, okay, like you and me, Hunty. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Truth is, the reason Hunty was up this morning at six o'clock was he's going to the uh, to the the pool. I was going to say the gym. I, I but think we've been doing this. I've been doing this since what late February. Yeah, and I've been doing it since December. 
Yeah, you were a good influence on me for once. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is that um, we go there for fitness. Yes. Um, I think I've lost 12 or 13 kilo now, and we'll never know how much you've lost because you refuse to weigh yourself. Well, we have great production meetings while we're driving up and down in the pool. Yeah, no, it, it is good. Yeah. But this guy didn't need to do what we're doing. He's a good-looking young bloke in his prime. You remember when you were young and you're physically fit and you got a good body, and this guy is looking fabulous. He's looking fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's reaching the prime of life, yep. and he's a good-looking bloke. The Bible's already stated that in previous stories. What mm-hmm. a good-looking young man this guy is. So yep. what happens in verse 7? Okay. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Temptation. Oh, yeah. Now... We often look at this story as Christians, those who are Christians and know this story, and we think of Potiphar's wife as the older woman. Is that how you've looked at that through the years, Hunter, as you've yeah, come across think, this story? Yeah, I think that's been a mistake to think of her as an older woman, yeah. It, it is a mistake, and I'll tell you why. Custom, literally custom in that place of Egypt, in ancient Egypt was, these powerful men would inevitably always have very, very young wives. Right. So there is a chance that she was not the older woman at all, <laughs> that she was actually even younger than... Joseph, she probably was somewhere between 16, 17, 18 years of age in the full bloom of youth. So this is not a young man being tempted by an older woman. Mm. This is a young man being tempted by another young woman who herself is reaching uh, full maturity. Mm. And you can imagine what this would have been like for the girl, Potiphar's wife. Because she was, Potiphar was probably an old man. So you've got this young woman stuck with an old man and this young, very good looking, Bible says, well built young fella comes mm. into the household. She falls for him and she, she's from a pagan nation. She wants to sleep with him. Now, mm. that even in Egypt wasn't a good thing. If he got caught sleeping with mm. this powerful general's wife, Mm. he would have been in enormous trouble. But the temptation is there, and I just want you to get a sense of how powerful the temptation was. Okay, verse 8. Okay, verse 8. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. What a, what a young man. Strength. I mean, how many young people today would stand up to that sort of temptation like that? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be hard. She's young. She, she, look, she's married to Potiphar's wife. This was not a marriage of love. It was a marriage of organization. She was given either by Pharaoh or a father. It was probably some sort of an alliance, a political alliance there in, in, in Egypt. Yep. And here she is. And I tell you what, it is amazing, Hunty. She wants him. Yep. It doesn't say that he did not want her or find her attractive. He says, how can I do this great sin mm. against God? Against God, yep. What a way to fight temptation when you're assailed by whatever weaknesses you've got to say, how can I do this awful thing against God? He wasn't yep. – yep. look, he talked about Potiphar there, but you can see that primarily his worry was that he would sin against God. Yep. And he said no. Mm. And that's amazing. There's a discipline in that. Yep. He said no. She was beautiful. She was young. I stress that. He said no. And as I said, because, again, because she was Potiphar's wife, it was a political alliance, she was a great beauty, and he said no. No. Mm. Mm. 
How often do we do that when temptation assails us? We say... Not enough. No. Mm. Now watch what happened, verse mm. 10. Verse 10, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. just want to say something there. The temptation did not let up, Hunty. Mm. And the devil is like that. He's using this young girl here. He will be relentless. If he detects in you, listener, a weakness, he'll be relentless in the way he tempts you. He will, he will concoct situations. He will, he will, uh, cause things to happen that will cause you to look at the temptation to be, to be thinking about the temptation. He'll put things before you. And he is just going hard through this girl at Joseph day after day after day. What does the Bible say? Yeah, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much oh, as possible. Oh, like the Pastor Daniel said. Yep. Stay. If you're being tempted mm-hmm. by something, what did he say? Yep. Stay run, out away. Of, run away. Keep yep. away. Stay yeah. away. Okay, verse mm-hmm. 11. Verse 11. Uh, one day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. Okay, so so now this temptation's coming to a head. We're going to find out, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, she's yep. saying, now or never, yep. this guy's got to come to me. Okay. Verse 12. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. He ran. Ran. He ran, Hunt. Good man. He ran from the temptation. Good man. And if you're being tempted by something today, as Pastor Daniel said earlier on in this program, as I was sharing, hang out with God and run, 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 run. Run as fast as you can from the temptation. If your temptation is pornography... Don't go onto the computer by yourself when nobody else That's is it. around. That's right. If your temptation is alcohol, and there's a lot of people who are yep. struggling with alcohol or drugs, yep. stay away from the places where you drink. Don't hang around with the friends who are giving you the drugs. Run, run, run as far as you can from the temptation. Yep. When you give yourself, when you run, you give yourself a chance yep. of beating it. You know, in the end, Potiphar comes home, the end of this story, Joseph, um, he didn't sleep with his wife. Potiphar comes home. She, the the wife, says, accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. So Potiphar puts Joseph in jail. But we know Potiphar's heart was sensitive and gentle towards Joseph because if it wasn't, he would have actually been executed, not mm-hmm. put into jail. Mm-hmm. The end of the story is Joseph ends up being second to only Pharaoh in the kingdom. I would have liked to see the backstory there, what happened to Potiphar and yep. his little wife when Joseph took the, yes. the throne of that kingdom. But that's another story and we don't, Bible doesn't unpack it so we'll never know. But the bottom line is, if you want to overcome sin, if you want to escape temptation, do two things. As yep. I was sharing with you, hang with Jesus. Yep. As Pastor Daniel and this story shares with us, run, 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 run as far from the temptation as you can. To the Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. Good song, this by the Browns, When We See Jesus. Got it.
Actually, the key to surviving temptation really is to know Christ. We can talk about all these different, you know, run, run, run. But when you're spending time with Jesus, you get to know Jesus. That gives you power to overcome these temptations. And Jesus is the one who will direct you and guide you to run. And when you run, 
When you overcome a temptation, it can be really hard. It can be really difficult. It's not easy. I'm going to talk about that on Friday night, Hunty, yep. uh, on this Break and Chains thing on our Aussie Pastor Pay. Yep. Hey, by the way, if you wanted to register for that series... Oh, please do. Where would you go? Yeah, AussiePastor.com, is that right? It. Yeah, AussiePastor.com, and you can register there, and then we'll send you out a message every time well, uh, on Friday, goes live. What we'll do, not every time, but... In this series, we well, will. For, the, for this series, yeah, yeah. for these so, four programs. So, yeah. so on Friday night, as we go live, we'll send you a text message with the link. Correct. And you can jump on and watch us. And if you can't jump on and watch us at that time, that's fine. If you've got the link, you can go and watch it later on. And it's a really, really good series. In fact, if you go to AussiePasta.com, are the first two posted there, aren't That's a good question. <laughs> He'll look that up. I will. <laughs> yeah, they're certainly on the Aussie Pasta Facebook page and the Aussie Pasta YouTube page. They should be on AussiePasta.com if they're not, shouldn't they? They should be. Yeah. We, we better have a look at that. We will. <laughs> we don't have a big staff here. Hey, it's time for us, the Aussie Pasta. Okay. All righty. All right, question one. Did from- you get, hey, 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 before you yep. do, did you, how many questions did you get in? Are we, are there any worthy of the, the Bible this, you know, I've been, I've been busy. Doing other things to, to work out which is the best question I have not done yet. Okay, let's go. Okay. All right. So first question's from a long-time listener, one of our favorites. It's from Rachel. And she asks, she says, hi again. The Holy Spirit was sent to be with us on earth. Will the Holy Spirit have a role in heaven and the new earth? Thank you, Rach. Rachel asks some good questions. She does. <laughs> um, God has a role in heaven and in the new earth. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Yep. So yes, he will have a role in the new earth. We will worship him. Uh, we will learn more about him. Um, he'll rule the universe. He'll do everything that God does. Um, there are three entities that call themselves one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is as much God as is the Father or Jesus the Son. And so he will rule. Um, the universe for eternity and he will rule with everything that comes along with that. So I guess um, we don't really know a whole lot, but it's God who holds a universe in place. How big is the universe? Well, I reckon there's multiverses out there, billions and trillions, too big for us. How many worlds has God created? I don't know. Mm. What's God's rule entail up there? I'm not absolutely sure, but I do know this, that God, and that's the Holy Spirit, will live with us here on earth for eternity that will be part of his royal family and the Holy Spirit will be there available for you um, to talk to and he'll be ruling the universe. So it's probably not a great answer, but that's the best I can do. He is God, so his, his role will whatever be whatever God's role is in eternity, hmm. to be God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, next question. What do you think of the federal government's plan to push anti-discrimination laws upon Christian schools? Okay. Ooh. I don't like it. <clears throat> but you know what? There's a guy called Michael Worker who works in our Australian head office. And he's been the one who's been spending more time on this than anyone. And I reckon we better get him on board and do an interview. Yeah, great idea. I've, we've got a friend, both of you and I have a friend, who's a principal of one of our Adventist schools. And I remember him saying to me... Yeah. No, he said to, he was just talking to me about the fact that there's a lot of non-Christian people sending their kids to our schools because they really yeah. like the, the Christian values. Mm. Look, it's a sensitive area. It's actually an area Hunty and I have to be pretty careful. Yeah, we do. In answering. Yeah, and so that's why I want to get Michael Worker on to answer that. 
Yep. And I'm going to do it. Not next week, but the week after, Hunty. Let's have a go at trying uh, to get him. Yeah, no, I texted him, I think, last week, and he, I think he's in. Well, I, I want him to answer that question specifically because yep. it, yep. it's one I don't have a, enough um, enough information on, and you've got to be careful because there's these laws in Australia there now are. where they can fine us and yes. put us in jail. But I'll tell yes. you this much. If you go into a Christian school, then surely if your parents if parents are sending their kids to Christian schools, then I'm thinking they're expecting a Christian education within the paradigms of right and wrong, uh, sin and good. The paradigms are set out and defined by the Bible, and I think the federal government is stepping over the line there. But how and what they're doing, rather than me going into it, let's talk to the guy that's got his finger yep. right on the yep. button he does. and really knows what's going on, Michael Worker. Yep, so we can get him in for an interview. That'd be good. Well, we will get him in in the next few weeks. He'll come. He's a good bloke. He's a good He'll bloke. Come. Yeah. yeah, For sure. All right, next question. Uh, is it unfair that Christian churches receive tax-free status in Australia? Now, that's one that I do feel passionate about. Oh, me too. It's not unfair at all. And it, um, can I say? Can I say that all the money that most churches are given in donations and offerings has already had tax paid on it? Well, yeah, that that has. But you could say, well, all the money that's given to Woolworths and Coles has had tax paid on it too, which it has. Let me give you the real reason, okay. Hunty, why it's important. Churches are, do have tax-free statement. Um, as a Christian, you can't get cranky, you can't get mad or any of that sort of stuff. But it does roll me up a bit when I hear this um, shocking argument mm. used all the time out there in the secular world. And I'll tell you why it doesn't work. Because with the money the churches get... Now, there are a few mega churches around that I don't belong to one of them. Yeah, yep. My church has 60, 70 members, Hunty. Yep. Um that have got millions and millions of dollars. There's been some stuff come out from one church in Sydney of recent times that that everybody judges all of Christianity by. Now, no. I don't even want to judge those guys too much cause, no. because it's not, I'm not part of their... In fact, I feel very sorry for their senior pastor who's had a fall, and I wish him God's blessing, and, and uh, I hope he finds his peace. And I, and I hope the church that's struggling, this big mega church that's struggling, is able to get through this. And I, I see from a distance often how unfairly they are targeted by the media. But what do churches do with their money? Exactly. Well, our church, I can only talk about my church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We have an organization called ADRA, Adventist Development and Relief Agency. It's like the Red Cross and some of those other great big Oxfam and some of those other great big aid agencies. Millions and millions of dollars, which is given in offerings by Adventists into this church goes into Adra. And you know what, Hunty, when there's a flood, when there's a mm-hmm, cyclone, mm-hmm. when something terrible happens, a yep, fire, guess yep. who's one of the first aid organisations yep. in there? We Adra. Are. Yep. Adra are the one supplying blankets. Adra are the one who's supplying food. Adra are the one helping people get back onto their feet. Do you know, if if we even take that into our, to our church, I remember you... you, you a year or so ago, you said, "Hunty, this lady needs a washing machine. She hasn't got one. Go buy one and go give it to her." Yeah, look, it, it's it's the role of the church not to hoard its money. Now, some some Christian organisations don't always follow as they should this paradigm, but it's the role of the church not to hoard its money, but to use its money in in giving. So you've got Adra. 
uh, we've got a drop-in centre in Blacktown that looks yep. after people who are homeless, who are yep. looking for food. It's got yep. a food bank. We give clothes um, to the community. We have hospitals, Sydney Adventist Hospital. We have clinics all over Australia and the Pacific. Yep. Uh, we funnel millions and millions and millions of dollars into helping other Australians mm-hmm. who are less fortunate to be able to stand up and make it in life. That's right. And I can tell you now that my church, which is 60 to 80 members and probably an attendance of 150, hunting, Yep, at least. We, we are a church that struggles financially. We only just make it. But we have, we have no buildings. We're, well, we're Very few no, assets. We don't even have enough money to buy a church. That's right. So this idea that churches are rich and should be taxed, if you tax us, it's going to hurt ADRA. If you tax us, it's going to hurt our hospitals. It's going to hurt our clinics. It's going to hurt our mission work. It's going to hurt these things we do for the community that do make a difference. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, we've got 20 seconds left. Do you want to crack at the last question? What is it? Why does the Bible seem to tolerate uh, slavery? Let's start on that one next week. Yeah, fair enough. Because at 10 seconds, Hunty, (laughs) I've got no chance of making it this last song by Ernie Harsin's signature sound. It's a beauty, I do believe. Some say faith is just believing Others say it's self-deceiving Inventing childish dreams to get us through Deep inside me there's a yearning or true wisdom not just learning I trade all my clever questions for one answer that is true Lord you know I need some answers questions eat at me like cancer Once again, a simple child Help me take the risk of losing Lose it all to find in choosing To believe you are the answer Earth and heaven reconcile
Thank you for joining our program today. I hope you've been blessed. We've talked about temptation. We've talked about the importance of being with Jesus. Uh, if you want to overcome temptation, we've talked about the idea that if you're weak on something and it's it's causing you trouble, run from it. We'll continue that theme in the next couple of weeks. But again, I'm so glad you've been here, and I just want to close with a prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I come before you today, and I recognize we're all weak. We all struggle with temptation, we all fall over, and we all have battles. I want to pray, Father, that you'll encourage our listeners to spend more time with you. And as they spend time with you and get to know you, may they be inspired, I pray, Lord, when the temptations come, to run hard and to run fast away from it. May that be all our experience, I pray. So be with our listeners and bless them until we meet next time as my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. My mm. name is Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the techie out the back, and we love you. But Jesus loves you so much more. Yep. See you guys later, and See God next bless time. next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, Go to findjesus.tv 